0: This morning, as we look at Genesis chapter 21, we'll see the example of two moms that give us a very clear heart for the way that moms express the love of God. And so we will look at Genesis 21 uh, and overlay it with the lens of Mother's Day today. And as you've heard throughout this day, um, there's an expression going around today, Happy Mother's Day. And really, that's it's a hard expression to, to really point and to, to, um, to fill with all of what that means for everyone that hears it for a couple of reasons. There's three words, happy Mother's Day. This day is not always happy, <laughs> regardless of how it unfolds in the different varieties of your life. Um, children don't always push pause on the drama of childhood because it's Mother's Day. Life does not always deliver perfectly sunshine and rainbows because it's Mother's Day. And the journey of motherhood does not always land up perfectly to where it falls on the calendar to celebrate Mother's Day. So it's not always happy. And as I preach right now, I can see very clearly that it's not a sanctuary full of mothers. (laughs) So that is also a a difficult way to look at God's word and express fully who this is for. Uh, But I realize, and I hope you all do, that this is for all of us, one, because we all came from mothers. This is something that gives us all a reference point into how we came into the world to know God for such a time as this. And as stated, and as we'll see today, mothers are one of the great expressions of the heart of God. To know your mother's love is, in many ways, God's way to give a first imprint for his love for your life. To know the faithfulness of a mother is God's way of showing many of us one of the most The the most glorifying examples of faithfulness. And the third thing that we say, Happy Mother's Day, is the word day, which is another challenge because not all of motherhood can be squeezed into a 24-hour period. Um, In fact, motherhood, in all of its complexity, has so many different days, and moms, you know this, and nights that make it what it is. And I want to look at a couple of those because as I study Genesis chapter 21 and the two moms that we're going to be looking at this morning, um, there are some ways that you see different days unfolding in our journey with God, towards God, and also the journey of motherhood. And so today we'll look at this. Really, there are three days that, that, that we're presented with in Genesis chapter 21. First, we have the day of joy. And isn't that something that we are celebrating today. We rejoice in the, the reality of motherhood. But we also have, in the second act of this story, we have the day of struggle. And that's why Mother's Day can be so complex, is because the day of struggle can come at any time, in any moment, and it can last for a very long time. But we also find in this story a third day, And this is a day that we should all be mindful of in our pursuit of God, in our knowledge of God, in our hope for God to continue to move in our life and around the lives of the people that we love, and that is the day of salvation. So today we look at the day of joy and the day of struggle and the day of salvation all through the lens that God has presented before us of motherhood. So the story picks up, Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, and he had said... And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. As you'll recall through the journey in Genesis, one of the primary focus of the book is to deliver unto the world a solution for the darkness of the fallen creation that was once good that has now become bad because of the sin of man. And the hope delivered in the very beginning of the book, the very early stages of the unfolding of God's plan, was this promise that there would be a coming one, a savior to put all things back to right. And he would overcome the enemy that had deceived Adam and Eve. And that savior would come Ultimately, through the line of one man, Abraham. And Abraham, we are told, would have this child through his wife, not by any other means. It would not be through uh, his offspring passed to his, his his very best servant, Eleazar. And we looked last week that it would not be the solution that maybe it could be half of Abraham and half of Hagar. And maybe God's promise needed some help from Abraham, and the idea of Sarah. What we find in this moment is that God has delivered, just as he said, a child to Abraham through his wife. And that is a reminder this morning that the gift of motherhood is the design of God. It is his timing for your life, and it is his call for your life according to his sovereignty over your life. And one of the complexities that this happy day can sometimes be a heavy day is in the waiting for what it means to be a mom in all of the different stages. As we saw in the presentation of the video, some are waiting. Some are waiting through hardship. Some are waiting through difficulty. Some are waiting in the initial uh, revelation that you're going to be a mom, and you're waiting for that child to come. And what This says is that God, in his perfect timing, on the perfect day, will fulfill the promise that he has for Sarah's life and for the lives of all that he has called to be mothers. And so we rejoice in that. And that is the joy that comes from this story. Because as this story unfolds, this day is a picture of the joy that God has for us in the gift of life. It says in verse 4, Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. One of the storylines of Sarah that we often find in other motherhood stories of the Bible is that it is the miracle of God that the gift of a child would come. Sarah was well in age. In fact, she's saying, could you believe it that God has given us a child? Would anyone have imagined that they could say of me and you, a couple of old guys, a couple, an old guy and an old lady, that I was going to nurse someday. She's, she's shocked that she is a mom. And this goes back to the story of Hagar because she said, listen, I'm too old. There must be a way for us to help God. And then it also goes back to Genesis 18 when she was visited by the Lord and she overheard the promise to Abraham that it will be in fact Sarah who brings the child. And when she heard that, overhearing it, what did she do? It says she laughed. Her first version of hearing that she would be a mother was to laugh, not in a way of excitement, but in a way of, yeah, right, I'm going to be a mom. Some of you who are not yet moms may feel that about this message now, but just wait. I remember the day when my, my wife and I met and we were having our first child. She says, I can't believe it. I never thought I would be a mom. So motherhood is not something all of us expect, or all of you women are all eagerly waiting for, but God has an appointed day to deliver to you the plan he has for your life. And one of the promises is, and one of the reminders of life through motherhood, is that it is a miracle of God. God brings life. God chose time and time again, through Sarah, later in Hannah, through Mary, I am going to use people that would never be able to do this on their own, and I will bring the gift of life through the most unlikely women. And it is God who made you mothers today, and we are not here celebrating motherhood without celebrating the faithfulness and the sovereignty of God. But this is the section of the Day of Joy, and motherhood is one of the greatest joys. When when a child is born, it is one of the greatest joys that you experience. And that is why I love what Sarah says. I once laughed at God. And now I laugh with God and people will laugh with me. And what I love about this day in a world that seems to be deprived of the reality of joy, When you think about the unfolding of the history of the world that we live in now, we find more and more cases of people with heavy hearts and heavy minds and, and suffering from loneliness and anxiety and depression. We get one of life's primary examples of where joy comes from, and that is the simplicity of newness of life. One of the great unifying factors for culture still to this day is that obvious bump on a woman's stomach when you look and you think, that's awesome, she's gonna have a baby. It, it's almost like public domain, a mother's uh, baby bump. It's like, how many of you moms have had the baby bump experience when you're at the grocery store and someone comes up and says, can I just, can I feel that? It's, it's like, you, and you have to say, it's like, yeah, it's like public domain. Not that you have to. <laughs> but now people laugh with you. And there's joy in this moment that is almost indescribable. The miracle of life on display not only when God opens a barren womb, but when you have the the experience of seeing a child born for all of us, there is an undeniable moment where you realize there is something about life that is so beyond science. I remember being in uh, in the room, the first child born, and there was that moment when the child came forth, burst forth, a glorious day, and I just remember weeping. How many of us have experienced this moment of absolute worship and you do not have to be a believer to see a moment of worship or joy or indescribable uh, 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 a desire to, to, to think of what's greater than just the metaphysics of life when you see the newborn baby come. And there is so much joy when it arrives. And I, I, I truly believe That this is, this day of joy, is a deeper picture of what God wants us to experience as the family of God. The joy of of the church getting to be excited about a baby dedication, where we all get to see this little baby. It's like, I feel like baby dedication should happen every sermon, because it just completely softens your heart. It's like, there's a baby. I'm going to listen to whatever he says next. And so it is. Jesus says, when you see the newness of life and the joy, it is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of this this waiting that we all have for God to deliver unto us life. In fact, look what Jesus says as he he describes the moment he's going to the cross and the burden and the weight and the, the expectation of what comes next and the way he describes how to make sense of it. He says to his disciples in John chapter 16, a woman, you want to know about the cross? You want to know what's about to happen for me to lay down my life so that newness of life could be unlocked for you? A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow to his disciples. As they approach their Messiah, the Christ, laying down his life, they would be burdened with the sorrow of death. You now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. It says in Romans chapter 8 that all of creation is groaning to see who will be the, with birth pangs, who will be the sons of God? And that same groaning exists in our hearts and our minds for the newness of life that comes when we approach the cross, when we say lay down our life and pick it up again in Christ, and we experience the joy of the Lord that will never be taken from us. That's why Jesus says to describe what the joy of newness of life looks like, not just in the joy of motherhood bringing forth a child, but also in the joy of newness of life for the spiritual rebirth that he has for anyone who calls upon his name. He says, you know, there's this, there's this concept when you lose something, it's so excited to find it. And he gives these parables parable of a lost coin, a parable of a lost sheep. And when you find that thing and you bring it, it's like rejoicing for the whole whole, whole community. And he says, so it is when one sinner repents, there is joy in heaven. And one of the, the great joys that I experience as a pastor is to take part in the newness of life through baptism. In fact, we'll be doing Baptisms in between service, if you want a living parable of this service, you can see the joy that comes when someone gives their life, dead to their sins, alive in Christ, newness of life has come, and we get that picture initially through the joy of the example of motherhood given. Sarah is an example. She says, now you guys get to laugh with me. Now you get to take part in the joy. And there's a second a second thing that will now transition us into the, the day of struggle. It says in in verse 8, so the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on that day that Isaac was weaned. Because it's not just the joy that comes from birth, but motherhood represents to us the joy that moms have for every one of these amazing milestones of the life of a child. It says in this example, Isaac was weaned. What, what a joy that process is. It's like the, the struggle and the joy all at one because the, the intimacy of nursing your child, you now can trust that they are going to be eating solid food. Well done, mothers. Well done uh, to get your child to a place where they're growing and they're strong and it's exciting for the milestone. And Abraham sees that milestone. He says, it is time to feast because there's another version of our child graduating into another abundant life moment. And there's joy in the milestones, mothers fathers. We, we, we take joy every time our child grows into the next version of life that God has for them. I've gotten to experience some of those milestones. The milestone of a child weaning, a child, I guess, back it up, a child sleeping through the night. It's like, yes, did it. And then they wake up a little bit more and you kind of regress. Then they wean and then they 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 learn how to, to use the, the, the bathroom by themselves, they learn how to start feeding themselves and every milestone there is this version of joy that we get to experience where there is a feast in our lives. Training wheels come off. They get to they start to read, they start to understand, they start to they start to receive the word of God, they start to pray. And there's a milestone even celebrated this morning with applause, which is the the joy of seeing a child grow through education, trained up in the way that they should go. And now they've graduated into the real world. A joy for the parents, parents crying when they see their child go through the milestones of life. But now we transition into the, the day of struggle because every milestone comes with a new version of struggle. Every time you say, we finally got to this point, they're finally weaned. And then what happens? Now they, they're about to, st- to start to learn how to talk, and now they can start talking back. <laughs> they, they finally know how to ride their bikes. Great. Where do they ride off to? <laughs> I have no idea. And in this version, graduates, you finally graduated college. Great. Now what's going to happen to your lives? <laughs> Where you're no longer under the care of the structure of the cultural system, and now you're off on your own to find a job, or t- maybe not, and it's like, Graduation, the joy turns into another version of the struggle of parenthood. And and, and isn't that what we see here? It says, even at the feast, it says in verse 9, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. So we've got, in one sense, the joy of a transition to to being weaned from milk to solid food, a picture of our spiritual life being, being weaned from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. And at the feast, we see a version of the struggle. And, and in these days, you also see a, a version of, of, of some of the stages because it says that Ishmael was, was scoffing. So we've got a newborn, and we've also got, by the accounts of the timeline of when Ishmael was born and when Isaac was born, we've got a teenager. And the teenager is scoffing and there are different moms that can relate to different parts of this sermon right now because the newborn phase is completely different than the teenage phase, and I'm excited for the examples of those of you who have gone before me, but I heard it's just as hard. In fact, I was warned of how hard the, the different stages can be. Um, the struggle continues no matter what stage you're in. I'll never forget the, the wise uh, warning that someone once gave me. My, my wife and I were on vacation, and... Uh, When we vacation, when we get out of town, we look like a caravan of people traveling, uh, you know, in ancient times because we've got to carry so much stuff for all of kids ages six and under. It's like four car seats. Two cribs to, for them to sleep in wherever we go. And then if we're going to swim, we have uh, four versions of life vests. And I just remember we're carrying all these things. And, and, and Danielle and I are, like, packing it in like camels. And the, the kids are running around. And, and we get to this elevator, and there's only room for one other person. And he sees, like, the struggle is real. And he's like, oh, you guys, this is great. You guys are in uh, the stage of parenting that is an absolute physical struggle. And I was like, yeah, it's a physical struggle. I mean, it's just carrying stuff all the time. And he goes, just so you know, as soon as that ends, uh, you're going to be in the mental struggle. And I was like, well, thank you, (laughs) kind sir. (laughs) So as soon as I no longer have to physically carry everything, I now have to physically carry the weight of all of the challenges of of raising kids in my mind. And mothers, don't we know it in in the example of how you care for every aspect of the details of your children's life from, from newborn and beyond? And this is what we have. We have uh, Ishmael now in the emotional version of what do we do here? And this will begin a real struggle, not just for the, the family dynamic of Sarah and Abraham, who is the father of Ishmael, but also Ishmael and his mom. Because look what it says. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely Isaac. It's like, wow. Wow. The, the struggle and the family dynamic is so real and so hard. And the, she's come to a place where she says, we've got to separate. He's not going to be heir. The, the word scoffing is just one word, and we try to understand what happened. And we don't know fully what Ishmael was doing. He might have just been teenage angst, just annoyed at the feast and crossing his arms. He might have been, you know, in, in his heart or even, uh, even an example of something he was doing, causing harm in some way to Isaac. And so now Sarah and Abraham are faced with this dilemma, a reminder of the complications when you try to help God with the plan that only he can deliver on. And she says, we gotta get, we've got to get rid of Ishmael. The struggle is so real. And the, the, the struggle is seen as you see Abraham's response. He says, It says in verse 11 that the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. You know, there are no simple versions of motherhood. And when you go into that stage, when it becomes much less of a physical struggle and a mental struggle, there are so many forks in the road where you are relying on the wisdom of God and you are hoping for God's sovereignty to prevail in very difficult times. And as we think through our own journeys and our family dynamics with our mothers and moms in the, in the stages of life you're in, there are so many difficult parenting decisions that we have to make, and not all of them are cut and dry. In fact, this one caused a little argument between Sarah and Abraham. But there are times where we have to give over the children that we love to the plans of God. I think that might be one of the scariest aspects of parenting moving forward. Of course, I'm in a stage where I can really keep everything within an arm's length under my house, in my car, and my backyard at all times. But there comes a time where we see the example of God played out in the prodigal son, where the prodigal son comes up to the father and says, I want my inheritance now. And what does he say? I will never give you inheritance because you are a foolish young man who does not know how to make good decisions the father says, here you go. He gives him over to the choices that he wants to make. And he gives him over to the reality that sometimes the the fastest way home is the longest way round, as Chesterton says. In other words, you have to really realize what you've left behind to know how important it is. And the prodigal son goes through a season of life and famine where the money is gone and the food is gone and the job is gone. And it says he came to his senses. And in some ways, we get hope that parenting, motherhood, when you trust the wisdom of God, he will, in his sovereignty, care for the challenges of parenting. And it says in verse 12, God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing your sight because of the latter, because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the bondwoman because he is your seed. In this instance, God is with Sarah. As Abraham was, was against the plan, God speaks directly to Sarah, or directly to Abraham and says, listen to her. She's right. There will be times, moms, where you have to make very difficult decisions. There will be times where your family is, is in a tough spot. And there will be times where The husbands don't always, do not always agree. But what we're looking for is the times where we can say without a doubt God is with us. There's a time in another version of motherhood where Mary gets word that she's going to be a mom and says she's greatly afraid. An angel of the Lord visits her and says God is with you. Do not be afraid. Some of you moms in the struggle, dads, families in the struggle, know that in ways that we don't always see immediately, living by faith and not by sight, we can trust that God in his sovereignty has a way to work things out, to work difficult and alarming situations out for good because he says the promise is, listen to her, I will make him great. I will still make him great. He is still someone that I will care for on your behalf. So trust God in that. Trust God that he will make Our decisions somehow make sense as we love him and are called according to his purposes. And before we get on to the day of salvation, we get a a reminder of something we talked about last week, what it says in Galatians 4, that this is more than just an immediate story of history. This is, as Paul realizes, an allegory of our lives in pursuit of a relationship with God. Because what Paul says is this is a picture of two covenants, two ways to make a relationship with God, make it till the end to where he would welcome us into his presence. And he says the two covenants are actually seen in these two moms. One is the covenant of the flesh, that you will somehow work your way to the promises of God. That is seen in the bondwoman or the slave. And that is an example of the law, that we would somehow fulfill the duties of religion and the law to make right by God and his promises. We will meet him halfway with our good works. But Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, the scripture says, Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the bondwoman shall not be the heir with the, with the free woman. And the free woman represents the promise the promise that there are things in bearing life that only God can do. Only God could bring life to Isaac. And only God can bring life to our hearts and our minds in the spiritual rebirth to be born again. And that is how we look at now the day of salvation. This is a preview into the way that God wants us to know how salvation works for our children. This is why motherhood can be such a complex day because motherhood takes on a burden to care for the gift of life that God has put into your hands. And we see that burden play out in the bondwoman or in Hagar, it says, so Abraham rose early in the morning And took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it to the boy, to Hagar, and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. Imagine the burden that Hagar is under. She has been given supplies for a journey, maybe back to where she came from on the road to Egypt. And the supplies have run out. She's out of water. And the wilderness in this scenario is not like the wilderness of the tree line where the forest is green with wildlife. This is the desert. It says that she's found a shrub to put her child under some shade. And then she weeps with a heavy heart. I can't even bear to look because my child's gonna die. And this is the burden that motherhood, parenting, caring for the life that God has entrusted to us brings on our life. But remember that we just got a reminder right before Paul drew it out of the text. That written into this story is the gospel. Written into this story that the, 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 the flesh or the law would not bring life. And written into the story of Hagar is that Hagar could only take this child so far before the supplies run out and the sun is scorching and she doesn't see a way forward. And this is a reminder for all of the parents this morning. You can only take your children so far so difficult, even in my own heart, to make that revelation true. Because I want to take my kids to the end. I don't want to get to a place in my life where I can't provide for them, where I can't care for them. But when it comes to their spiritual life, that is just a matter of fact. Let me read to you something that uh, the Scottish preacher Colin Smith says about salvation by grace as seen through parenting. Salvation is by grace and not by works, which also includes parental works. Two children raised under the same good example can go in opposite directions. And children raised with no example and with dysfunctional backgrounds can still find the grace of God. Put simply, no one was ever saved by good parenting and no one was ever lost by bad parenting. Now, parents, we have all sorts of ways that we are the main disciplers of our kids. The word is clear. We should train them up in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart. We have a role to play. God has given us by his sovereignty the kids he gave us for a reason at our time and our place. But we can't save their souls. You cannot hang on the cross for their sin. And you yourself cannot defeat sin and death to give them newness of life. Which is a great good news message for us today. Because in all of the ways motherhood is a way to say, Moms, you're doing a great job. Motherhood is the most important job of the world. Many of you already know that. You already live under the intense burden that you have such an important job. And you have seen so many ways that that burden has become too much to bear. So hear the gospel message. What is your role? Your role is to take them to the cry of God for their heart. And this is what we see in the example of Hagar. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept, and God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God heard the voice of the lad. You know, in Genesis 16, we saw that God interacts with Hagar specifically. I see you. I will care for you. I'm going to encourage you. But in this message, he says, I now hear your child's voice. And this is the gospel good news for every mother. This is the best message you can ever hear is that God has heard the cry of your child. And may that be an encouragement to all of us, for those that we long to see saved, for the fathers and the brothers and the neighbors. We pray that God would hear their cry because anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and we cannot call on their behalf. And then it says, arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand for I will make him a great nation. Mothers are made by God. In his sovereignty, he brings the life in his perfect time that you will bring into this world and he makes you a mom. And your children are made by God. Both their physical lives and the life within that God will place into them to bring them newness of life. God says to Hagar, I will make him. You have given him his physical life. Now I will give him his purpose and his destiny. And that is the message for us in all of our lives that God makes who we are ultimately according to his call on our lives. I will make him a great nation. And now a bit of encouragement for all of us when we come to those desert moments where we don't know what to do and the supplies are out and we've got no plan, so we have to look away. It says, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad and he grew and he dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. God opened up the eyes of Hagar. You do not have the answers for the conundrums of life. We will all find ourselves in the desert. We will all find ourselves in the moments of life where we feel like we need to look away because we're not sure where to go. And sometimes we are so burdened that we can't see a way forward. And when we have those call out to God moments, what we need is not simply a sermon or not just to come to church to be refreshed, but we need the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened so that we can see what God has put before us as His way forward. He opened her eyes, and as she's crying, He's like, Here's a well that maybe you didn't see. Here's a spring of water. Mothers, may your eyes be opened for the wisdom of the way forward with your children. And on this Mother's Day, like all Mother's Day, I think of my own mother because she is a living example for my life in that a mom can only take you so far, but the job is not done because they can continually cry out on our behalf so that God would open our eyes. In fact, as I called my mom this morning to wish her a happy Mother's Day, she said, thank you so much. Would you let me pray for you. And I thought, you're always doing that to me, mom. You're always praying for me. And I don't know if you know my story into ministry or ultimately into the kingdom, but I was not always walking with the Lord. I had my own uh, scoffing moments where I needed to go through the wilderness of life to see the sovereignty of God. And of course, it is God who saved me. And it is God who revealed his love to me in his perfect timing. But The story of my life is a story of intercessory prayer by a mother. My mom never stopped praying. Moms, never stop praying for your kids. Whether they're in the day of joy or whether they're in the days of struggle, the the day that you're waiting for ultimately is the day of salvation that will come when the Lord opens their heart and it will come time and time again as God provides for their life. By chance, my mother sent me a devotional this, mo- or this week as she does every single day by Oswald Chambers that had the perfect encouragement uh, for this message to mothers. Oswald Chambers says this, The place for the comforter is not that of one who preaches, but of the friend who says nothing but prays to God about the matter the biggest thing you can do for those who are suffering is not to talk platitudes, not to ask questions, but get into contact with God and the greater works will be done by prayer. Mothers, as much as we are here to honor you and encourage you, we're also here to thank you for the way that you pray on behalf of so many people that the greater works would be done in their lives. And so, to ultimately thank you, I I thought it appropriate to remind all of us where the strength of our lives truly comes from in the power of prayer. And ultimately to pray for this church, to pray for mothers and sons and daughters and all of the, the days of struggle and the days of joy. To be strengthened, to be reminded where salvation comes from ultimately in the love of God. So I read to you a prayer and then we will end with prayer. It says this. Ephesians chapter three, "'For this reason, I bow my knees "'to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, "'that he would grant you, "'according to the riches of his glory, "'to be strengthened with might through his Spirit "'in the inner person, "'that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, "'that you, being rooted and grounded in love, "'may be able to comprehend with all the saints.'" what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. So to the mothers, in whatever day you find yourselves in on this Mother's Day, if it's a day of waiting, a day of longing, if it's the day of joy and the day of arrival, the day of struggle, you find yourself in the season of, of, of physical hardship with children, you find yourself in a season of heavy heartedness and you find yourself waiting for the day of salvation, I pray that you wouldn't receive just a Mother's Day sermon or a Mother's Day message, but that the God of love would strengthen your heart to know the fullness of his love for you so that you would trust whatever day you find yourself in. This is the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and we are glad in it. And we are glad for you, as one way we're going to say that to all moms of whatever variety you are this morning, on your way out, uh, we're going to have our youth kids pass out a rose, so I hope that you'll take one, and you will hold it in memory of the love of God for your life.